This is TV Podcast Industries, and we're talking about Star Wars The Bad Batch, Episode 4, Cornered. She has to be a bounty hunter. A what? Someone hired to retrieve targets. And you appear to be the target. Me? Hey, don't scare the kid. We have to find out who she is and who hired her. Welcome back to a galaxy far, far away and to TV Podcast Industries, fellow troopers. Uh, We're talking about The Bad Batch, Episode 4, Cornered. Yes, this is the Star Wars Podcast. I am one of your hosts, John. I'm one of your other hosts, Derek. And rounding out this group, no one puts Omega in the corner. I am Chris. (laughs) (laughs) Love us, love us. Welcome back, troopers. Is she a fruit corner or a crunchy, knobbly thing corner? I hope we never get to find that answer out, John. A muller yogurt. <laughs> Yum. I was going to say, for our American listeners. <laughs> anyway, that's true, yeah, yeah. The yeah. muller corners were a yogurt, yogurt, depending on where you're from, mm-hmm. uh, where you had the yogurt on one side, and then you had kind of fruit, kind a of jam, puree, yeah, jam puree, type yeah. thing, or you had like chocolatey bits or cereal, and you would crack the corner and pour it in um, to the yeah. and then swirl it all around. I'm sure they have those in America. I was sure they did. Maybe not Muller, but they definitely have a version of something like that. I'm sure yeah. they do. But it was just a, like they had to understand the, the <laughs> meaning of them. Do you know what? Even with that explanation, I don't think our listeners will understand that. But let's start off with a little bit of news <laughs> from the Star Wars galaxy, let's say. Uh, big is congrats- this also from a galaxy far, far away? It is also from a galaxy far, far away. Well, well, from America, let's say. Um, about uh, Dave Filoni, the, uh, the executive producer of this show, um, has officially been given the title of executive creative director at Lucasfilm. Uh, he moved to the role actually last summer, but it was announced this week to everybody and uh, you could see Everybody on Twitter very happy at, uh, at Dave Filoni's appointment uh, to this role because this means that he's now a real guiding force in Lucasfilm and in the Star Wars galaxy, which is really cool. He's done so much for all of the shows, all the all the animated shows. Obviously, his work on Mandalorian is pretty massive as well. He directed episodes, written episodes. So him being another guiding hand behind the scenes, I think, is really cool. And they're getting the, the title to justify it as well. It's really cool. Yeah, really great news. I, I, I'm interested why they waited nine months. Yeah, that was, it, <laughs> that it's a little like, weird. Maybe they just thought like, they'd be able to let him do it, and he wouldn't ask for a pay rise. Yeah, I was um, kind of like that. They just no, no, no. I want. I give me. Show me the money. He Jerry McGuire them. Or maybe he's finished his probation period, so now he is, can yeah. he can get through and and, and uh, he gets the full title uh, uh, and all the benefits. Yeah, after ten years working in all the Star Wars properties, I wanted to make him prove that he definitely was knowledgeable about everything. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think it may have just been COVID. I think it's just simply uh, it coincided with the show uh, being on air and Bad Batch. So uh, I think it's just literally the admin person hasn't been working from home and didn't have access to change the name. <laughs> the maybe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like we can't change your business cards until your business cards come in the mail. Exactly. That's it. They have something like the volume, but they can't operate MS Teams. <laughs> How many of these issues have you found working from home? That there's things you just can't do when you're not in the office. Well, they might can have been post a like tweet. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I'm very curious. So of the 
Infalone we trust. Mm-hmm. I, I have officially said that. We know he's doing some great work. He has the upcoming Ahsoka series, the live action, yeah. that we're aware of. Obviously Bad Batch. Do we know what else he's working on outside of that? He's probably involved in Mandalorian Season 3. Absolutely, yeah. Um, well, the, book, and the, then the Book of Fesh or the other one? Well, I guess now he's got executive creative director at Lucasfilm. It will be all of them. Yeah. Yes, that's yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. So he's a guiding hand. He's the new. He's one of the new Kevin Feige type characters. Well, yes. Well, Kathleen Kennedy would be the overarching yes. uh, executive director, I guess, of Lucasfilm. I should have looked up her uh, her t- job title, but I didn't know you were going to go that far, Chris. Sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> and there are a, a massive list of projects that have been announced uh, within the TV realm for uh, for Lucasfilm. Um, there's a, a huge slate of projects that are out there. Oh, fantastic! Uh, so, uh, so, so we know he's involved in in pretty much all of those because he already has been in the predecessors, and he'll be involved in the in the rest of them in the future. But massive congratulations, everybody! I think it, yeah. it just feels like one of of the younger generation of nerds that grew up absolutely loving Star Wars has has gotten to that height now and is, is now a real member of that company. I know there's loads of people involved in the company that are massive fans too, so uh, it really does feel like they're they're continuing the legacy of Star Wars. Let's say yes, yeah. definitely, and I think keeping just keeping in the 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 Disney uh, world of adventure as well. Uh, another. Brief bit of news is that Modoc, Marvel's Modoc, is out every Friday, uh, as from today, the 21st of May. Uh, and, but it's been dropped on the Hulu platform, uh, all eight, all in one go, uh, in the USA. Yeah. So, yeah, yes, it's a right, uh, smorgasbord of releases for, for Modoc. But the first episode, um, was really funny. Yeah, myself and John watched that directly after this this morning. Chris hasn't had the chance to watch it yet. No, but it is, I can't wait. It's quite funny. There's some very it's good really lines. good. Uh, very adult. Um, uh, a lot of jokes in there for, for oh, the yeah. parents, uh, definitely. So uh, check it out. Uh, I, I'd say definitely watch it. I think we might we might meet back up at some point as the episodes get released and chat about it on the podcast, have a talk about yeah. about Modoc because it is a lot of fun. We're not going to go week to week with it. Um, obviously, we're, we're covering Bad Batch now. We're going to be covering Loki next month. So uh, so it'll be something that we'll, that we'll come back to. Well, uh, certainly slot in, right. yeah, and yeah. it's got a great robot chicken uh, vibe to it. I saw it is the same team. Yeah, it is exactly. stupid human. I saw uh, Seth Green uh, quoted as an exec producer on the show, so yeah, I'm sure the, the robot chicken yep. team are involved. Yeah, he is another executive creative director <laughs> slash well, uh, guiding hand for all this type of stuff. Yeah. Well, of. speaking of. Very quickly, Seth Green is also in Mass Effect Legendary Edition, which dropped last week and is amazing. Just slotting that in there if anyone's wondering what Chris is doing in the weekdays. That's what Chris has been doing uh, all day, Chris every has been day. Doing uh, all outside day. outside no, of work. Outside of work. Outside of work. <laughs> if you're listening, employers, I have swear I've been working. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but just to say, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, make sure you do subscribe to our main podcast feed. Uh, you can find that over on tvpodcastindustries.com or just search TV Podcast Industries on any Jedi or Sith supporting podcast player. Um, we also want to hear your thoughts about the show. You can email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com with any thoughts you have about any of the episodes of Bad Batch or any show that we're, uh, that we're covering. Uh, you can also join us over on our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries where I put up a spoiler post every week for each show that we're covering and you can talk to our other fellow troopers about their thoughts as well on there. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Let's get into our spoiler-filled review. Derek, what are some of the episode details? 
show, as I mentioned, is, is executive produced by Dave Filoni and Jennifer Corbett. Uh, this episode was written by Christian Taylor, directed by Saul Ruiz, and the story editor was Matt Mikovitz. Uh, we haven't mentioned Christian Taylor before on the show. This is his first episode of The Bad Batch, but he has done, I think, 15 episodes of The Clone Wars, so very experienced in this universe. I just thought it would be really interesting to call out one of his other credits. He's worked on loads of TV shows since 1992. I think he's been a writer in, the, in many TV shows. But I wanted to call out, he wrote two episodes of season one of Luke Cage, a show that we covered back on our Defenders TV podcast about, what, four or five years ago? Yeah. Uh, yeah. He did the episode Now You're Mine and one that we all remember, uh, Dwick. Uh, which is DWYCK. <laughs> I just think it's really fascinating that, uh, that he's come over from doing live action, uh, live action show for Netflix for Marvel and is doing, uh, the Clone Wars and, uh, and Bad Batch over here in Disney Plus. I always feel like with, with people like that that are involved in comic book TV shows and live action TV shows, getting the call to do an episode of Star Wars must kind of feel like, well, I have to take this call. I yeah. really, I really have to give my episode of Star Wars. If I get this opportunity, I'm not going to turn it down, you know? I, I, I am more and more getting happy with the, the crossover between the, the our good Disney overlords because <laughs> through their connection of Star Wars and Marvel and a few others, they, other kind of key TV productions, we're seeing some of these fantastic writers probably go into areas that they we wouldn't have in the past. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah. But yes, definitely cool to see him here. That's really cool. And you it? would answer the call. Yeah, absolutely. Wouldn't you? Even if they called us up and said, do you want to write an episode of this? I'll try. I'll try my hand on it. <laughs> oh, well, I, I would do it. It would be terrible. <laughs> it would literally be like the Bad Batch going on a karaoke night. Okay. <laughs> that'd be awesome. I, that would actually be awesome. Yeah, that'd be pretty Wrecker good. Wrecker doing like wrecking, Wrecker doing wrecking ball. Oh, well, there you yeah. go. I'm and so there you and go. Uh, Echo as a droid could do the dro- the robot dance. Oh my God. I love it. Yeah. Actually, I want to see that now. Yeah, I think we could all help uh, writing that episode. But John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with the actual synopsis for episode four of the Bad Batch? <laughs> cornered. Sure. On the run from the new galactic empire, Hunter decides on a new destination for the Bad Batch, the uninhabited planet of Edafor, a perfect hideout for the team. But now, cut off from the Republic, the ship needs fuel, the team is out of rations, and the Imperial comm chatter has their ship's signature. Tech proposes they make a pit stop on the planet of Pantora, where they can stock up and he can scramble their ship's signature. Rekka and Tech pay credits for the silence of Rasper Six, the Solston Depot Manager at the Pentora Spaceport. But for even more credits, he reveals the Bad Batch's location to bounty hunter Fennec Shand, who is on a mission to recover Omega from the team. While Rekka and Tech repair the Havoc Marauder, Hunter, Omega and Echo, disguised as a robot, enter the city to resupply. They have to complete the mission quickly, as the population is celebrating the end of the war, just as new clone troopers marching through the street arrive at their new posting. Hunter temporarily exchanges Robot Echo for the Imperial credits they need, and Echo becomes a droid supervisor for a group of astromechs at the shop. As he bargains with the shop owner, Omega wanders off to chase down her new toy and is separated from Hunter. Fennec, posing as a helpful passerby to abduct Omega while she's on her own, is caught after Hunter tracks and then frees Omega from Fennec's clutches in a chase high above the streets of Pantora, and they return to the Havoc Marauder. Fortunately, with the help of Echo's new team of astromech repair droids that he frees from their restraining bolt, the Bad Batch are ready to escape the planet just in time, but Fennec Shand reassures her employer 
that she will capture her target. Fennec Shand, finally in the uh, animated universe. Uh, if you didn't watch <coughs> The Mandalorian, if you if you didn't watch it, which I think is largely unlikely if you're a Disney Plus uh, viewer and you, you're going to watch uh, The Bad Batch, very likely you would have watched uh, The Mandalorian. But if you didn't, uh, this is a character that was uh, brought into live action in the first season of Mandalorian, played quite a major part in the second season, and is played by the one and only Ming-Na Wen, uh, who's pretty much been involved in... Uh, tons of Disney projects from um, Disney Animation in Mulan and done uh, live action for Marvel in uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as one of my absolutely favourite characters, uh, Agent Melinda May. Uh, She's now doing the Star Wars animation and Star Wars live action uh, with this character, Fennec Shan. So very cool to see uh, the character in here. I know we're going to talk a lot about Fennec Shan, but let's get into our blaster points for the episode, our main call-outs for the show. Uh, Our first point... Let's talk about just the fact that we have a destination because this was a massive complaint we had last week. I think I even called out uh, last week. All it would take is maybe one line of dialogue that would solve the only big problem that I had. And that dialogue is delivered in the opening segment of this episode. We have Hunter pointing at a map on screen and going, let's go to Adalfor. Uh, That planet is unoccupied. It would be a great place to hide out. Right. We have a destination now. That's what I've been looking for for a few weeks, right? Yes. But they're, they're on their way via... Pantora, um, because they are literally running out of everything. But uh, yes, I am so glad they put in this destination. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can zig and they can zag, as Chris would say, um, <laughs> all over the galaxy, as far as I'm concerned. But there is a, a final destination, uh, so to speak. I love how you got there before me. I was like, yeah, they're going to go there, but they're going to zig and zag. It's not, it's not a straight line. I also, so I jokingly, when I was watching this earlier, they gave that one line and I went, they literally heard us. And you said it. We said, they just need to give us one line. And I was like, they're not going to do that. They're going to like give us a full explanation. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a big kind of discussion. No, no, no. <laughs> they gave us the destination with one line. It was like, yeah, we're going to go here because it's inhabited. All right. Oh, no. But now we need to go here. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, no, that's, I, I still think that's fine, though, right? That's that, the idea that, they're, that they have somewhere in mind to go, a good reason to go there. We can hide out till it all blows over and then have adventures on the way there. It feels a little bit like Shaun of the Dead, the way I said that. Yeah, I was going to say, yes, it's exactly. like the Winchester. <laughs> yeah. They're going to yeah. have a few pints and, and stay there until it's all blown over. We'll actually. wait for it all to blow over. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it was just, I found it so funny. It was just, it, it's delivered so quickly. Yes, you're right. It is a destination. It is exactly what we need because it gives them, theoretically, from a writer's perspective, it gives them purpose. Yeah. That is, they, they have their target. They have their uh, golden apple, whatever, the, 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 the North like Star. Golden there. Fleece or something. Golden like Fleece, yeah. Yes, the North something. Star. Exactly. They have, a, they have a target. And not only that, but they've got the, uh, you know, the ominous, persistent, uh, threat of uh, now Fennec Shand, which gives them that impetus to to move onwards, ever onwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this case, you know whether it's stopping off at Pantora because they need supplies, or or whether it's stopping off at another planet somewhere else in the galaxy for other reasons. You know that really uh, helps just sort of k- 
connect back to those first couple of episodes with yeah. with the uh, Kim and Owens, and uh, th- that's really really good. I like what's also called out about them going into civilian life from being um, from being effectively in the army, where they got everything supplied for them. They just had to go back and refuel uh, to their central location back in Camino. Um, they just had to get rations so they could eat. And in here, it's suddenly called out that the reason why they have to make this diversion is because they now have to really make do for themselves. All of that stuff they would have been taken care of as as members of the army. Now they have to work out a way to do it themselves, which they were never built for. They were never cloned to be people that would be self-sufficient. So suddenly they have, uh, they've described everything that you need to know about the series. They have a destination, somebody following them, and these people all have to work out, including Omega, all of them have to work out who they are and where, they, where they're where they going to be going, which I think is, is really good to get from this episode. And that was all taken care of in one scene at the start of it. So uh, yeah, really good. I also really like the dodgy um sort of official at the spaceport as well. Mm-hmm. Um it's kind of you wonder whether that actually still happens in in reality, but I kind of like that he was on the make. Um, and I liked with with Wrecker where he just thought he could have imposed himself with his like hulk sort of um hulking sort of frame, uh but still he wanted uh, the credits. And I'm definitely sure that they paid more unless Fennec gave them like a, I don't know, a thousand credit bar. Uh, but I think Tech handed over about four or five bars there. So I think yep. they got fleeced by him. And then he went looking for more by letting Fennec know uh, of uh, the ship um, and its signature had arrived. So uh, they kind of kicked everything off. Do you know, weirdly, they're so conscious of that kind of stuff when they're in an animated show. They did actually call out that Fennec wasn't going to pay him any money until... He delivered them to uh, the, the Bad Batch and Omega to Fennec, and because he didn't actually deliver them, Fennec has given him a smaller amount of money. So, uh, so they actually called it out in the show. He was going, "Don't, don't leave now." She hasn't paid me yet, and then she went and did actually give him some credits, even though he didn't accomplish the mission. So that's one of the really good things about animation; they can sort this stuff out in dialogue much easier than they can in live action, which I think is cool. Yeah, no, it is, but. One thing I, I have to call out, and it's going to move us on to point two, and it's one thing I, I, I kind of called out in our previous podcasts, was it's in a really interesting time and a scene. So I suppose blast point number two is the celebrating of the quote-unquote end of the war. Mm-hmm. Or I should say, the end of the war and people are celebrating, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. Celebrating is the interesting part. Yeah, it's like the same planet... Um the, the, the same thing's happening here as happened on the planet that Cut was on, wasn't it? Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's this time period that is, I'm so enamored, mm-hmm. intrigued, intrigued, enamored and intrigued about. Because it is seeing this, yeah, you forget, like, some people are really happy that the Empire has come, the Galactic Empire has come, mm, yeah. and they are paying them, and they just need to sign up, and you're like, oh, yeah. Without getting too dark, at some point, this is probably what it was like in some of the more fascist time periods in history. Now, there's the dark side that it's going to get to mm-hmm. as well, but this is the the initial, hey, we're going to give you all money, this is how you do it. I'm like... Seeing this, people celebrating the end of what they considered the end of the war with the who they considered the good guys winning, Mm -hmm. it's really interesting. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I mean, the clone troopers are the same ones that were helping them 
yeah. uh, against the droid army and all these blockades and all that. So at this moment in time, it's effectively just a rebrand that's happened from uh, Coruscant in terms of we're now going to call ourselves the um you know the Galactic Empire, mm-hmm. not the the Republic. So yeah. it, it's it's just simply almost a, a name change and they're kind of all fairly on board with this Absolutely. and you get that nice little bit of dialogue again from echo who who says it depends on what side you're on um because okay it's not the droids but people who have kind of you know maybe been a bit closer or have been uh refugeed because of the previous war or a bit closer to the um what's actually happened in the republic army with the clone wars and and maybe the the changes that have come about or, or know about this um such as on Alderaan with Senator Organa, you know, that who knows the, the shiftiness that's gone on mm. in Corsarant. So, you know, you've now got this new band of, of rebels effectively, yeah. but most people probably aren't even aware of it. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it is. It's, it's really interesting. I mean, I also thought the planet is as well, or at least this city, uh, are on this planet of, um, Pandora. I saw quite a lot of onion domes, so it, was, it felt very Byzantium. Right. Um, like a very, I've not seen that kind of aesthetic being used before. In, you know, you've very much got either quite modern look, mm-hmm. but in things like temple looks mm. or like Roman columns or that kind of thing. Whereas this was very, uh, very much more Byzantine with, yeah. uh, with the onion domes, which is, I think, at least for me, I, I don't remember it before, so it's kind of a new aesthetic in in Star Wars. Well, interestingly, we, the planet itself was actually visited in uh, Clone Wars, and I love that you guys picked it out, even not knowing that um, this planet was under the blockade of the Trade Federation, so the people of this planet would know the pain of being under control of the droid army, so they are being liberated, is what it, it's what yeah. it looks like for them. They're, the war is over. The people that tried to save us that time, uh, many years ago, they've now come in and... Everything's going to be fine now. Um, but you're right. I love the cautious attitude of Hunter where he's going, wow, this is moving much faster across the galaxy than I thought it was going to. You know, they're, yeah. they're days away from the last planet they visited where this happened and it's already here, you know. So uh, yeah. I really like that, that kind of that slow move or that sorry, the very fast move of this new era in, in the galaxy. I think that's, that's an interesting thing that's going on in the background yeah. for these episodes. Yeah, and also with trying to get the money together so that they can get their rations uh, whilst Tech and Wrecker are working on the Havoc Marauder. Mm. Um, I I like the fact that the shopkeeper is like, uh, I can't take a bomb. <laughs> I'm like, uh, you know, I'm selling like little teddies. Like, it's, I like the nice little touch of the stormtrooper teddy, like we saw in Rogue One. Um, that, uh, Omega effectively gets dazzled by. I didn't say a pay for it now. So, um, oh no, she broke it. She bought it. So it was what it was. Is she dropped it. Uh, shopkeeper said, you broke it. You bought it. And that was part of the deal with Hunter. He had to pay for it. Effectively, <laughs> okay. So, so yeah. it was pay. Yeah. I was thinking like, um, Okay, she's she's picked up a few sort of uh, pickpocket tricks or yeah. <laughs> quickly, um, but yeah, I like the that nice little nod to the the cl- the the clone trooper Teddy, mm-hmm. uh, like we saw in in Rogue One, although that was a stormtrooper Teddy, it, I guess. I think so. Yeah, Rogue One took place just before A New Hope, which was all stormtroopers. So yeah, probably that. But uh, but nice call out here. I do think this is this series is when they're going to do the official handover. Oh yeah, like, that's what we're going to we're going to see. We no longer 
Call them clones. They are raising storm. Ooh, I like that. Marketing note. Stormtrooper. <laughs> and by handover, we mean effectively genocide of the clone yes. troopers. Like this is, this is a pretty massive thing that could be happening throughout this series. A really interesting point. I really just wanted to call out one tiny thing at this point before we move on. Uh, just the celebration, the end of the war, the, the line from, um, from Amidala, uh, Queen Amidala back in, uh, in Phantom Menace popped into my mind. The, uh, the, this is how liberty dies to thunderous applause. This idea that, you know, these troops are marching into town and everybody's applauding them going, yay, we're free, except it's a galactic empire. You know, uh, that, that line just popped into my head from, uh, from Amidala. As always, a, bit, a great line to talk about in Star Wars. Oh, 100%. Yeah, definitely. That is very much the, the area we're in. This is going mm-hmm. to make it really interesting. Like, and that comment alone, we're going to see this thunderous applause across each of the episodes and each of the planets we visit until they finally get to settle down at the end of 14 episodes. <laughs> Will it just be a slow hand clap by yeah, the like, last planet like, we visit? Uh, there you go. <laughs> we did it. Woohoo. Um, stop with the marching, will you? <laughs> <laughs> I think they may they may learn as it uh, as the ripples of rebellion uh, stretch out across the galaxy that this uh, this march through their town is probably not a good idea. Uh, yeah. Um let's move on to blaster point number 3. Uh, Fennec Shand is a big character of the show. Lots going on around her new hunt and her introduction into the animated universe uh, mentioned obviously played by Ming-Na Wen uh, who played the character on uh, on the Mandalorian before what did you guys think of the character in this animated series Chris she looks younger <laughs> well obviously yeah, 30 years 30 years or so younger than, yes. uh, than the character in Mandalorian I like this she's a cool character with cool character you don't get that much from it, it she is just the the, the the stereotypical bad guy, the, the antagonist. Like, she is now the hunter. We know that it is coming. She has the twinges of good in that, like, when Omega's falling off the roof, she basically tries not to damage the goods, but still tells her how to do it. Like, if it, she was the ultimate bad guy bounty hunter, she would have... It's just like, yeah, drop the kid. Don't tell the kid to drop and roll. And then it's also like, when Omega is hungry, she steals the bread. Mm. Anyway, she just need, they just need to kind of tease out, is she good or bad? And I think okay. they're just dropped, they dropped in a bit too much of good in the moment. You think? I think, I think, personally, I just like, they, sh- they were like, what I prefer is, like, over the course of the next couple of episodes, with her doggingly kind of chasing them, Across the galaxy. Mm-hmm. That's where you can start to sh- kind of sprinkle in like every second episode or, or at least episode one good trait. But they, they're trying to make her good very quick, make her good very quickly. That was my only thing. Anyway, what did you guys think? Interesting read. I didn't, I didn't think anything that she did in this episode could be considered good. I thought she was definitely being shady. I thought she was pretending to be a well-wisher, someone that found a lost child who she knew exactly who it was and was trying to befriend her um, by stealing food for her and trying to get her on side so she'd go willingly with her. I was wondering whether she was waiting to capture the rest of the Bad Batch. We see later on, like, she has no qualms about taking out 
the biggest member of the Bad Batch. He takes out oh, Wrecker yeah. in one move, effectively. Um, and he's the one that's supposed to be the strongest of the whole team. So it felt like she was waiting to, to, for Echo to take her back to the rest of the team so that she could capture all of them easily because it feels like she's that confident in her powers. I think you're right. I think the reason why she saved Amiga when she was hanging off the building is because she didn't want to damage the goods. The deal is she goes out, brings Omega back alive to who's hired her, who the, um, the Kaminoans, um, which I think is the, is the whole mission. So if she fell off the building, um, I think uh, that would be a big problem for, uh, for getting her money. So, mm. so in here, I just think she's bounty hunter and using all of her tools, including being kind, uh, to a kid, uh, to, to accomplish her mission. We don't know that it's the Kiminoans, but I was also thinking it could be uh, Grand Moff Tarkin or Admiral Tarkin, uh, whatever sort of uh, tag he's going by these days. And, Saul Guerrero? You know, because Maybe. they have a history. The Empire has a history of using bounty hunters from yeah. Empire Strikes Back and even with the Clone Wars with using Django Fett. So I just wondered whether it could be. Um, but it probably is the Kiminoans, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it could be, no, it's it, like, it, it, more, more than spoiled definitely. It. Is. <laughs> well, I just thought since the last time we saw the Prime Minister of Kimino, he was specifically yeah, saying, exactly. um, we need to go and find yeah. Omega. And, no, exactly. And it, so, yeah. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just predicting possible curveballs, right. um, to, to keep the, the theory active. Attention you know? alive. Um, what did you think of, uh, of Fennec Shan on the show then, John? Oh, I, lo- I loved her. I loved her presence mm. um, here. Uh, Ming Nguyen, I just adore from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was she was great in The Mandalorian. I think it's really nice now to have her character move into the animated uh, version of the Star Wars yeah. uh, universe uh, in The Bad Batch here uh, in the same way that uh, Ahsoka moved into live action for mm-hmm. like I just think it's really really cool that they're still doing this I mean it's like uh, Bo-Katan as well mm-hmm. uh, with Katie Sackhoff's voice uh, the as Bo-Katan uh, again from the animated series from Clone Wars moving and also in Rebels mm-hmm. and moving into uh, live action with Katie Sackhoff playing Bo-Katan so really I just love that they're doing this interchange mm-hmm. um, I think it's really really nice and I think um, yeah, with with Fennec Shand, just you know, great look. The helmet's amazing. Um, yeah, they mm-hmm. just they do bounty hunters really, really well. Absolutely. There's an element of yeah, shady cool about her. So really pleased um, to see her. I, I like the shadiness here. I think I probably have the same reading as as you, Derek. That I just felt this was. You know, her aim is to to grab Omega. Um, so she's protecting, as you said, Chris. Though. She's protecting the goods. Yeah. That's why she saved her from the top of that tower, gave her the advice. It's why she approached her, I guess, to not cause any fuss, to, to, to take her off a yeah. world um, quietly. Because I guess Pantora did seem to have quite an active police department uh, here. Uh, you know, quite a lot of them um, sort of chasing uh, on foot, mm-hmm. on hovercraft. Um, dying dying yeah i mean (laughs) and certainly i guess very consistent for the character given um the episodes that she's been in in mandalorian Mm -hmm. uh very uh clinical um in the sense of i love the fight with hunter and i thought it was a very physical fight for an animation actually with him 
getting her arms, you know, the knife, the, the one hand with the knife, the one hand with the blaster, and, and just sort of straining them out the way, mm-hmm. uh, only to be sort of, sort of, uh, knocked, uh, with a headbutt with a helmet on. But also then she shoots the chasing cops on the hover bikes, um, as well, straight, straight through the wind. Straight through the windshield of the the bike, uh, but that's a definite kill, and um, mm. so that kind of really fits with the character. Yeah. Um, and they've really taken that dark side, I guess, uh, and brought it into the this animated series. So mm-hmm. I thought that was really really good, actually. And the other interesting thing after she had after that great chase as well, because I really liked the 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 chase. Uh, with with her hunter and, and Omega, mm-hmm. you know, it was kind of a ground level, at street level. Then it was on the hover uh, vehicles. Then yeah. it was down in sewer level. You know, it was kind of really all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a great sort of sequence. Um, but when she's knocked from the 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 vehicle that she's um, well, she basically threw. The owner out of the, the vehicle. So there's another one dead. Um, like she, I think she was limping coming out of the crash, which was, I thought yeah. was quite good. I don't think I've, I think sometimes, you know, in animated series that some, something massive happens or an accident, or whatever, and they're kind of all pretty okay, yeah. really. Um, and here she, she had a bit of a limp. Yeah, so, um, and you could see how annoyed she was at that and uh, with Omega getting away. So. Yeah, this was really, I really liked this introduction. This was the big thing for this episode yep. for me. Um, yep. uh, and the chase, uh, in, uh, in, in this city on, uh, on Pantora, yeah. I thought was really good. Chase really reminded me of, um, of the one in the Clone Wars with Anakin and, and uh, an Obi-Wan chasing after, uh, what's it? Zim Weskel, if I get my names right, for the bounty hunter that was chasing, uh, that they were chasing down through the city, uh, in Coruscant. So it was really cool to see that chase scene in animated form, the one that we saw in Attack of the Clones, the, the second uh, Star Wars movie. I think I call it Clone Wars a second ago. Attack of the Clones was the movie, that's it. <laughs> yeah, for, I, I this was one of the aspects, I think, of now I'm starting to see where you guys fell in love with some of the shows. Mm-hmm. Because this, like, the death, the destruction, <laughs> obviously, I'm not saying that's why you fell in love with it, but, like, that We know it was all you like, John and Derek, is death in shows, so this is <laughs> yeah. why you love this one. Metal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, uh, the, the headshot, right? Mm-hmm. The death, the, 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 the fight scene, the, the actual action sequence, which, you could live action it and put it in, like you said, but actually even take away the hover aspect and put it into just a normal kind of car chase. Like, and the, you're talking Michael Bay level action and fights. Like, it's cool. Mm-hmm. Like, so there is this, this is very, this is very strong direction. Uh, on the the action, if we want to call it, mm-hmm. yeah, it is, yeah, yeah, okay, the animated action. It's a strong direction where it is very much what I can start to consider like adult. It's getting into this really strong gritty realism, but technically, this is a kid show as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, no, it, it so is. as I say, I'm starting to it see is. this this cool duality. I think that that you we could. A, a seven-year-old kid watching this is not going to notice the the blue blood headshot. Yeah, um, no, exactly. Or they're not yeah. going to care about the the man being tossed out of a very very high 
speeding. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, we remember what we saw um, happen to Tom and Jerry in a cartoon. I mean, mm-hmm. if you actually think about that, then they were yeah, they were pretty psychotic. <laughs> oh yeah, really. true. Okay. So I mean, I, I I know like I know what you're definitely what you're saying. I I think it's like, um, you know. The action is what in, enthralls you and, and mm. so on. And yes, there is a cop that gets, um, blasted through the head. Uh, you know, good, uh, pretty good, uh, shot there. Mm. Uh, and I, that's it. It picks up as well with Hunter, you know, warning Tech and, and Wrecker and saying, you know, there's someone after Omega and um, really well trained. And so you know, that there's going to be some interesting backstory that comes from this. I, I, I guess will be developed further. Um, I mean, in a sense, this is a backstory as well, because in the Mandalorian, you're like post return of the Jedi. Yeah. So yeah. this is, this is pre, um, Star Wars and New Hope. So this is part of a backstory effectively. Mm. Um, but you, you just know it's going to be, um, really interesting. And I like that. It will need to be consistent and link in with the Mandalorian. And I guess it, it comes to Filoni's appointment that he can also oversee that, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, it's, it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I almost prefer this to the, um, you know, everything's connected element from, from Marvel. Um, th- this just going between. Live action and the animation. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I just love the expansion of of the character. Definitely, it's really cool to see her see her in here. Uh, anything else we need to talk about from the episode? And there's one massive thing we haven't talked about yet for the episode that was that was good fun to watch. Uh, oh yes, John? definitely. Um, I really really loved seeing Echo as the droid with mm-hmm. his little uh, with his helmet on and his his droid. I loved the interaction with the shopkeeper. Um, and I, I love the fact that then he, he's been put in charge of these, uh, protocol droids and astromech droids. <laughs> the protocol droid, again, this is another off-center reference that no American, I guess, will ever know, but the voice was just like Hyacinth Bouquet. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or, Mrs. Bucket. Yeah, Mrs. Bucket. Uh, or it was, it was, um, it was just, it was kind of like, uh, Les Dennis doing his Vera impression from Coronation Street, where it's, wow. I do it really new. It's like really just kind of, um, <laughs> over just the top real over the top. Yeah, yeah. kind of, uh, jolly, um, sort of middle Britain sort of uh woman. Um Fancy. really, really, really good. Yeah. Um a really good approximation of, of what Anthony Daniels would do in the role of C three PO. Yeah, but yeah, just really yeah, like. it, it felt a little hammed up, but I thought it was funny. And I loved the little astromech droid clink as well. Which I was hoping was going to somehow make his way onto the Havoc Marauder. You are dying um, for a droid on board the ship. I really, really am. But I, I love the Echo as well. Uh, takes off the restraining bolt. So it, it felt a bit like, um, the, the droid from, uh, Solo as well, where it was like the rise of the droids, free, <laughs> freeing the droids from their oppressors. Uh-huh. Um, it was really, really good. Revolution. Yeah. And, <laughs> and just Echo being really annoyed that, um, he was sold for 3000 credits. Um, <laughs> I thought was really, really good. Um, yeah. but who knows? Maybe Clink did, um, 
sneak aboard the Havoc Marauder. I really, really hope so. Because I think that could be a really interesting dynamic with Omega uh, if there is um, a droid there. And it's the only droid that was given a name, I think, um, of all those from, from the true. shop. Yeah. Um, I wonder if his surname is Eastwood. Clink, clink Eastwood. I love it. That would be awesome, John. That very would be quite awesome. I love, I, I love how the whole thing plays out where you hear, uh, where they, you know, they have to take off really quickly and you hear tech going, well, unless you have uh, a whole team of astromech droids, we're not getting out of here anytime soon. <laughs> and you just, it just cuts to, uh, to Echo going, maybe I can help with that. And that's surrounded by the astromechs. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, yes, fun little moments. This was the rise of the droid army. Kind of like the, 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 he's the king of the droids. Mm, yeah. Like, I, I'm hoping they play with just that randomly later where it's like, yeah. you basically see the astromechs and the, the C, the C3PO kind of. Exactly. And then literally an army of them behind as well, where it's just kind of like, it goes, maybe I brought some friends, sir. Yeah, and, and also like just that it's such a good disguise to have that. You know, to infiltrate, I don't know, Imperial bases that he is a prototype, yeah. uh, dro- army droids. And, you know, it, it would be really an, a nice ongoing th- theme going through yeah. the, the series for sure. Um, and I, I think it just adds a new dimension to Echo as well, because certainly from the Clone Wars, he had actually, it was a real tragic kind of storyline being experimented on yeah. and all this. So that kind of fun element to this character, I think, is really, really good. Yeah. So I must say, I really did like uh, Echo the Droid. Yeah, very cool. Maybe we can see a team up with uh, with him and Phoebe Waller-Bridge coming back to, to play her role as the droid from uh, from Solo uh, in the future. Oh my to God, I forgot that was her. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my God. Wow. Go. <laughs> Gotta be flea baggins the Star Wars universe would be amazing. Exactly. Exactly. Droid bag. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any other notes for the episode, Chris? Anything else you want to talk about? Not at this point. Excellent. I will save it for my defense. Excellent. Uh, I just loved some of the uh, character uh, characters that we're seeing, or some of the uh, the species that we're seeing. I suppose uh, in this episode, uh, since we're moving around the galaxy, uh, seeing uh, we mentioned earlier on in the synopsis. The depot manager, the guy that's being duplicitous and stealing money from uh, from both the Bad Batch and also getting money from Fennec Shand. Uh, he's a Solustan, uh, which is the character Nyan Num, you'll remember. Or Nyan Num, you'll remember as uh, the pilot of the Millennium Falcon in ah, uh, yes. Return of the Jedi. So same species. Uh, the shopkeeper being one of the same species as was in uh, Jabba's Palace. Uh, Reese, I think, was the uh, was the yes. character name on, uh, on, on my action figure box when I bought him, uh, meaning three eyes because he had three eyes uh, of course <laughs> the characters are named back in the days of, uh, of star wars but i just love having those kind of characters peppered uh, throughout the universe as well i always think that's fun in star wars good completely agree let's close out the episode then and our discussion about it what did you think overall of uh, the bad batch episode four cornered john I really, really like this episode. Uh, I give it um, four Clink Eastwoods out of five. Um, <laughs> you I, changed that joke. I, I did, I you? did, yeah. Um, that's how bad my jokes are, I guess. But uh, yeah, I, works in progress. I, I really, really liked it. I loved um, Fennec Shand being uh, introduced into the animated world mm-hmm. of the Bad Batch. Um, I thought the 
The city was really interesting uh, with its onion domes. I know that's more aesthetic. I love the chase from street hover to sewer level with with Hunter, Omega, and Fennec. I really, really like that. And I think, you know, she she gives that impetus for them to just, like, move on and, and drive forward. Um, and having to adapt their plans because they are effectively being tracked. Um, and I, I just, that it gives a really uh, urgency to the dynamic. Um, and I, I loved, uh, as just mentioned, Echo the Droid. It also was a really nice addition. Uh, and I really do hope that Clink is somehow, um, still on that ship on the Havoc Marauder, uh, by the next episode. But I don't think <laughs> that is going to be it, the case. Though. You'd love it though. You um, hmm? You love your astronauts. I, I really do. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's four clinky swords out of five. So, Chris, what did you think? I enjoyed this. This would be one of my favorites to date. Mm-hmm. Um, more, I think, is because it's leaning. I'm starting to understand the duality aspect more um, in the, the kind of the light and dark side, the kid and the adult. Um, it, it's trying to find that gray area, which I think is I'm starting to enjoy. Still not fully engaged, mm-hmm. just to to annoy our Star Trek fans. Uh, no, <laughs> um, no, I I think it's more. It's now we like they just dropped the line of where they're going. So I think I just want to see like more impetus put on the the long arching story, the overarching storyline for the whole season. I think it's just I don't fully know. Aside from we need to get here to this place to hide. Which feels like a more like a mid season story arc, yeah. Like plan versus the this is what they need to do. It's not like it. It's not the epic Star Warsian kind of storyline that I'm used to. Yeah. So I'm just I, I think I just want to get. It's probably going to happen in the next episode. Now that we say it, absolutely. So, yeah, it's going to be. <laughs> it's going to go. Oh my god, this is the big story. I'm like, okay, cool. Now they're, I'm in. They're absolutely never going to a planet to just settle down and sit there until everything blows over. That's definitely not <laughs> happening. <laughs> but they, they might. Yeah, they might. So there you go. Yeah, I'm starting to. I'm starting to enjoy this. Let's mm-hmm. wait and see how we go into the next one on episode five. Derek, what do you think? Genuinely, it's just amazing how one line of dialogue can fix uh, can fix what I what I need in in a show just to be really invested in it. Exactly as you, as you've said, Chris, just the idea that there is a goal, and John, you said it as well. The fact that there is a goal, they've they've come up and said we need to get to here. Oh, we can't get to there right now because we have to do this. Fine, and now this person's chasing us, so we need to get out of this location really quickly. Like that, just those elements of a story help to. Yeah. propeller show into being a great show a really good show something that i'm going to watch every week because now it's you know we we come from the age of watching incredible hulk or the fugitive on tv which was effectively a show that said this person's on the run all the time and somebody's chasing them and that's all you needed to know and every week they get into adventures and they do things all i need to know is that there's an impetus for them to move and they did it this week really quickly in the opening of the episode so they got it right. The other uh, kind of issue we had that we talked about before in, in the previous episodes was just the balance between that adult side of the story and the kid side of the story. This time, it really felt like a group of parents taking care of a kid. The kid does something, she gets lost, and 
um, the rest of the episode felt like they got the balance right of what you do in a, in a, an animated show aimed at a wide audience. It didn't feel like yeah. everything being too kiddie or everything being too adult. They got the balance right there as well. So, uh, yeah, I think this is, this is up there already as, as a, as a really good episode. Agreed. Agreed. We've got a bunch of feedback to get to, uh, some that we missed out on uh, last week. And thanks very much for uh, for sending in your feedback. Uh, first up, Alex Baelish uh, sent a voicemail into us about his thoughts on the first couple of episodes. And unfortunately, it popped into my spam folder uh, on TV podcast industry. So I found it just after we recorded. Sorry, Alex. Uh, but here's your thoughts on the first couple of episodes of the show. Hey, guys, this is Alex. I just wanted to comment on the first uh, couple of episodes of Bad Batch. First off, I want to thank you guys for covering this because I'm a big fan of Clone Wars and Rebels and even Resistance. And I think that this format really lends itself to create a bigger story and define stuff. And I think Dave Filoni has really done a great job once again of weaving everything in to get us to where we are um, at the current movies. Uh, but you know, I, this, this last episode, I really love the fact that they're really trying to weave in, uh, the kid, as they like to call her, um, because they're learning as parents how to deal with her. And I love that Wrecker made her her own little space on the ship and that she's really trying to prove her wealth by, getting into that small space and getting the piece of equipment that they need to get the ship running. And then she also used her, her flashlight. I think she's a lot smarter and she's a lot more keen than the average child. Plus she relates more to those clones because she's one. Um, I, I just, I just love it. On the flip side, I think what Crosshair is doing is just crazy. Um, I, I love that storyline and he still has moments where he's questioning himself. I I love the leap of how they get rid of the clones and get into um, the current situation where you have uh, normal everyday people becoming um, stormtroopers. Uh, I, I also, I also thought it was kind of ironic how the one guy that ended up dying was like, Hey, we get three square meals and they have really good equipment. This is a lot better than the resistance. Um, so I, I just think that that's, that's really kind of neat. Um, little disturbed that they were killing civilians, but I, I think that it was also kind of ironic how after the mission was a success in their eyes that the the guy went from a captain to an admiral, you know, for, or he got a promotion. Um, can't wait to hear your thoughts and talk to you soon. Thanks, Alex. I guess uh, reinforce the behaviors you want to uh, take forward is the is the motto of the New Galactic Empire. Oh, you slaughtered some uh, some civilians. Uh, promotion for you. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I don't, and you're right. I, I, I don't think we even call that out. Just the idea of the uh, former Republic. Um, army member who's now joined the uh, this new empire going oh three square meals a day and then he gets killed yeah he's for, the one uh, yeah yeah he's the one that got kind of uh taken out by uh crosshair mm -hmm. uh, but also was the one 
I guess, baiting him really as well, uh, that, you know, he was the future, um, or the stormtroopers were going to be the future and clones would be a, a thing of the past. Yeah. You know, very much like Tarkin-esque, I guess. Yeah. But unwilling um, to murder civilians, which is why he was killed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Definitely. And uh, like, yeah, thanks, Alex, for the, the voicemail. Cause, yeah, the, the weaving in of the kid, um, of Omega into the storyline, yeah, is, is a really interesting one because, um, just how it's done, like, uh, last week's episode, episode three, you, you have the bad batch effectively understanding that she's, you know, she's not a clone trooper. She is a kid. Uh, but having said that, um, like you say, she has that sense of being comfortable with them because they're all clones. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in this episode were, uh, last week's the, the bad batch, um, learnt how to deal with Omega or at least begin to know how to deal with her. Mm-hmm. She has learnt in this episode, you know, not to trust strangers that the galaxy is dangerous. Um, you know, she yeah. was in, proper peril here and um, she trusted uh fennec shand um she was hanging off a very tall building uh, hanging off a moving vehicle mm-hmm. you name it so again it, it's like she this week felt like her learning curve or the yeah. start of that journey for her so uh yeah really really good stuff completely agree do they know she's a clone i think it hasn't been explicitly stated has it Yes, absolutely. Yeah, the the uh, reason why I remember it was um, it was tech that just assumed everybody knew because he was like, "It's so obvious that she's a clone like us. Why don't you guys know this?" Oh, is she? Uh, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. there you go. Uh, see, so- oh, is she? There, see. You guys are tech. I am not. <laughs> there you go, Chris. There you go. <laughs> Thanks so much, Alex. Uh, we also got a voicemail in from Gary again, just after we recorded our last episode uh, and our discussion about episode three. Hi, gentlemen. I'm a long-time listener. I've been with you guys since Jessica Jones. And this is the first time I've felt the need to to call back, to call in, because I could not disagree with you more on The Bad Batch, Episode 3. My major point is that we don't know what the show is going to be, and you guys are speculating about, oh, I hope that they don't do this thing or that thing or this other thing. And we don't know yet. And even if they do any one of those particular things, I trust Dave Filoni and his writing staff to do things, to do any one of those things in a way that that feels new and different. Even though we're still using the basics of the the basics of the Joseph Campbell hero of many faces um, framework. So. Let's let the show be what it's going to be, and we'll judge it appropriately. Let's not let our anticipation of possible storylines ruin our appreciation for the stories that is being told. Thanks. Bye. Thanks, Gary, for the feedback. Um, Yeah, look, I, I, I suppose everyone... The whole fun part of this, having a podcast and being able to talk to you guys, our fellow defenders, as you said, back from Jessica Jones, my namesake, um, is this discussion, this, this fun kind of conversation. Uh, and as you're hearing my voice now, you will hear, I'm actually be- 
more and more becoming enamored and intrigued by it. And um, yeah, it is interesting. I just think the fun part of what we do is the speculation, the discussion. And don't worry, like there are things we love and things we hate in all aspects of everything. Uh, hate is even too strong as dislike. Um, trust me, I have some of the best shows in the world. We discussed Watchmen, one of the best shows ever written. Um, and we still had things that we disliked about some of the episodes. So trust me when I say this will not color our judgment or, well, will not color my, I'm not going to speak for the guys. <laughs> I will color my judgment, not color, like, I will continue to watch this show and give it every aspect and every opportunity to grow and wow me. And as you can hear for the last couple of minutes or say however long this episode has been going, because I'm not sure how much Derek is going to edit out, <laughs> it's growing on me and I am in Filoni we trust. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and, and Gary, as you have been a long time listener uh, of the podcast, uh, we will be covering every episode of, of the show. Um, regardless, we're, we always are really hopeful when we start a series that we don't hate it because covering an entire show, uh, that we hated would be awful. But yes. we are absolutely in the same boat as you. We, we love, uh, what Dave Filoni's delivered in the Star Wars universe. We're all Star Wars fans, even though Chris hasn't seen a lot of the animated shows. He is a big Star Wars fan as well. So, uh, so we know if we have a little down comment on an episode, it's not, it's not like we're going to drop it off and not come back Absolutely. to the show so yeah. um yeah. but it, it definitely this week answered what we wanted to be answered uh in, in the last week's episode really 100 yeah. percent. but uh just uh, uh apropos of nothing by the way this is our last ever episode of the <laughs> 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 no joking uh no, it's not. We will be back next week. But thanks so much. We hope you're going to be back with us next week, Gary, as well. Yeah, no, thanks so much for the feedback, Gary. Um, yes, I absolutely trust Dave Filoni as well uh, as yourself. And I think, uh, yeah, I mean, this has got a long way to breathe, like the fine wine that uh, is Clone Wars and mm-hmm. Rebels as well. Uh, big fan of those two. So, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's, it's just, it's building up the momentum. And uh, I guess... That's what it you do on a sixteen uh, episode series, exactly. but uh, yeah, thanks so much, Gary, for the feedback. Uh, On to our Facebook feedback, uh, we've got some from Dan Lee. Interesting to see Fennec, and boy, she really doesn't care about straight up murdering civilians <laughs> or cops. Mm-hmm. After my complaint last week that the show seems aimless, it's nice to finally have some kind of roadmap set out. Amiga is important. People are after her. The Bad Batch want to find out who. I can get on board with that. Yeah, thanks so much, Dan, uh, for that. Yeah, absolutely. We have um, a real good motivation going on here. Uh, you know, we've had the introduction of the Bad Batch and the, the big opener, you know, that reconnect with them. And certainly the reconnect with the current situation in uh, that galaxy that we love so much uh, far, far away. And... and uh, coming into that intimate space of the Bad Batch, now with Omega uh, in the Havoc Marauder, uh, it's really good to get that that kind of motivation and drive, and certainly with the the murdering Fennec for sure. <laughs> Absolutely, thanks so much, Dan. Uh, Chris, do you want to take the next piece of feedback? Yes, we have feedback from Alex Balish who says, I know someone not like the format right now, since it's the problem or monster of the week. 
But I love how it lays the groundwork for bigger things. They brought Fennec into the mix, which gives us a nice little Easter egg. Wonder if we might see any other characters like Mando or Baby Yoda. She was so amazing live action, but put her here, she gets even better. I have to say, Omega has to be one of the most annoying characters in the Star Wars universe next to young Anakin Skywalker. As a father of a six-year-old, unfortunately, this is what some kids do, especially when everything is new to her. Mm -hmm. I hope they can smarten her up quickly, but I'm afraid we have more of this to come. Thanks, Alex. Um, I don't think we're going to baby Yoda because, oh, well, I suppose he was 50-something. Yeah, we could. It would be baby, baby, baby Yoda. Yeah, um, like an actual definitely. baby Yoda rather yeah, than Grogu. Be. Like we actually, he may, may not have a name. He may be only about 10 years old uh, when we see him. He probably look quite similar though. Yes, probably. <laughs> um, and in terms of one of the most annoying characters in Star Wars, uh, there are worse characters than this in the Star Wars. Uh, we all know who we're talking about. <laughs> Does it, is it like J.J. Abrams? What, Jar Jar Binks? <laughs> well, there's Jar Jar. Anakin, yeah, I guess, was a little whiny, I guess. But like all good six-year-olds, they will grow up at some point. Yeah, absolutely. I certainly always remember going to see the animated Clone Wars movie when it was on the big screen and first getting introduced to Ahsoka Tano running around calling herself Snips and talking about uh, cool Skywalker Jedi Master. She was the most annoying character I'd seen. And she's now my favorite of, yes. one of my favorite Star Wars characters. I, I love her character arc and, and Clone Wars. Love what she's done and love her being brought into live action. I, I really like the character now. So if they can do that with that character, who I had a genuine instant dislike to, uh, they could definitely do that with Omega. Well, that's it. I think, I think, um, the animated series have really done that thing of developing, yeah. growing the character. But almost as, you know, growing up as well. And I think like, as Alex says, you know, um, kids are kids, whether they're on good old planet Earth or mm-hmm. whether they're in a galaxy far, far away. And, you know, if you're, you're writing with your experience, then it is that awe and wonder or, you know, and parents or adults just, you know, having, to get themselves into a different zone of dealing with their kid. And this is this kind of situation uh, on, on the Havoc Marauder. But, you know, I'm really hoping that like with Ezra, I'm, you know, Ezra at the start was very different from um, by the end, oh, you know, the, like in terms of him understanding his destiny, what he was and, uh, and what he had to do and the bonds they had made with uh, all the other members of the rebels in, in star wars rebels and yeah. like you say with uh, ahsoka so i i think i, I remember potential... going, from, uh, going from season one of star wars rebels to season two and they'd given ezra a haircut and he'd grown up about four about three or four years yeah, or something yeah. between seasons i was going who's this character <laughs> it's a completely different character but it was exactly the same growth of the character you certainly had the same traits so but, but you yeah. know there's potentially a lot of great growth here with Omega. Yeah. We're only starting. Exactly. exactly. She could be Omega Palpatine. She absolutely could be. Omega or Omega Skywalker in the future. You never know. <laughs> you never know. Uh, thanks so much once again, Alex, for uh, for your feedback. Uh, Deanna Meskel says, nice, enjoyable episode. I could do the, I could do without the shipwreck repair of the week trend. And oops, kid gets in trouble and needs to be rescued. Um, it's going to get old very fast. 
I get using this device in these early episodes to show how out of depth the Bad Batch are when it comes to, to parenting and operating without a support system. Hope they have, they move past it quickly though. Uh, it was nicely done and how it was connected with the sale of Echo and his new droid army to make quick work <laughs> of that problem. Uh, those droids were a nice callback to the bigger Star Wars universe, stripping their ship to take weapons, etc. to a pawn shop combined with Hunter's response to the cheers about the end of the war was definitely a promise about the things to come. Those people definitely won't be cheering for long. <laughs> Absolutely. As noted by others, it was a great relief to see a bigger plan taking shape, although I really hope they do not head off to Idle 4 to hide. Of course they didn't really get any supplies, so I suppose they can't. Hopefully their, their encounter with Fennec Shan will teach them that they do need help. She is so awesome. I loved every minute of it. Even if she did take out Hunter and Wrecker so easily, it was almost embarrassing. Is Wrecker <sighs> over his head injury, or have we already dismissed that worry? I know the series has a long way to go, but I'm so eager that the Bad Batch to connect with my favourite characters. Please give me Ahsoka. Can't wait to see where we go from here. I keep thinking about Wrecker's comment, don't scare the kid, and yet I can't help thinking it's Wrecker and the Bad Batch who are scared. They are floundering. None of their skills and experience have prepared them for this type of mission. They are doing their best in this rapidly changing world with unknown, unknown enemies, but they cannot find their balance. I love them all the more for their weakness. That's brilliant. Thanks, Deanna. I think you've given me a new insight. I hadn't really connected that, this idea of, okay, we've talked about the, the Empire um, being formed, all this stuff with the, the credits and, and, and so on. But you, you're right. It's the fact of this rapidly changing world and the unknown enemies. It's like everything is in flux with the defeat of the droid army, the rise of Palpatine and this new galactic empire. And yeah, they are, I, I guess, encapsulated in not having the Republic support structures. They mm-hmm. are off balance and now they've got um this this kid in omega uh with them so it's actually that is a fascinating dynamic to to come into this uh, and it, and it plays to all the the usually uh good stuff i think from the the two previous ones like with Ezra and Kanan uh, the jedi and also with yeah i guess uh, Anakin Skywalker and and Snip having that padawan and whether mm-hmm. he is um, too young to have the Padawan, yeah. whether he can train her correctly, and, and certainly with the our knowledge as the audience that he is the big Darth. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much, Diana, for your feedback. Yes, thank you so much. Over on the Twitter, the tweets, Matt Murdock at Musical Concert had this to say. At TV Pod Industries, I love Ming-Na Wen, but now that you have Fennec in this early of a timeline... You now can't put her in any kind of peril in any shows between here and The Mandalorian without knowing she'll survive, making her just an annoying foe underappreciated for surviving. Given what we've learned about her from Mandalorian, it's hard to see her as anything more than a possible foe turned friend in the series, not an end to the story. I suppose some might find that compelling, but I don't. If this were geared strictly for adults, then I'd say her victory over the Bad Batch would be compelling, but the show is not going to kill Omega, as she is one of the target audience representatives. Thanks for that, Matt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I suppose it's that kind of... We've seen this done in other shows, and I think they might be able to do something like... They could take her hand. 
being Star Wars. Well, yeah, and absolutely. then she gets a robotic hand. Like, there, there still can be some peril about it. Yeah. Um, like, she gets knocked unconscious and falls into a coma for 20 years. Like, they can still do very cool things. Mm-hmm. Um, I do agree that I think they're showing her to be a, the, because of what we know she does become in the future, she will be, we know she is going to be slightly foey and friendly at the same time. Well, yeah, I, we, I, we did talk about that earlier on in, in the episode. Yes. Yeah, I know. Um, I, I, I'm, this is where I, I really don't like speculating too far ahead of a character's development because you're talking 20 years, what, 17 years between now and the new hope and then five to seven years roughly in, uh, in between there. So you're talking like about almost 30 years between now and when the character comes back. And we have no idea how long Ming-Na Wen is going to be involved in this show. She may appear every couple of episodes or once a season to chase them down. We don't know whether we're going to get massive character development from uh, from Ming-Na Wen's uh, Fennec Shand in the show. So I'm not sure if we're actually going to see the storyline of her turning to become friend to to those characters because she may not be a central character in the show for, for yeah. long enough to become the friend of them. Yeah, it, it's difficult to know quite the level of involvement. I mean, per, I, I kind of feel, you know, seeing her survive being a survivor, that to me would be interesting. I think, um, you know, that idea of knowing where she's at in Mandalorian and being 30 years and like a lot can happen. And I think yeah, it depends yeah. on what arc they take it, it on. I mean, I, I think. You know, for me, Rogue One is one of the best Star Wars, and that's actually a story that we knew what happened. We um, knew everything that was going to happen, that was gonna happen <laughs> but the way it was delivered. Yeah. Now, this is a different kind of storytelling for short and a different representative you know, and a different target audience. But I, I just, I think, um, you know, I, she's a great character on her own. And, it, and I kind of feel that potentially here, if she's being employed by the Kiminoans, if eventually the Empire and the Kiminoans fall out, and given that the Empire is after the Bad Batch, <laughs> there may be a grudging team up, uh, for sure. Um, because okay. they're going to have to, you know, my enemy's enemy is my friend. So mm-hmm. I, it'll be interesting. It could even be that her storyline is taken. You know, they they focus on her for one of the okay. episodes. I don't know. I <laughs> yeah. don't know. Um, it, but it is. It, it is possibly this is the, as you say, the balance of theorizing yeah. and, and speculating as to what may happen. And as Gary said, you know, there is that balance to be made of just seeing what the show delivers. Absolutely. Let's not, let's not jump to the conclusion that it's going to all be bad when we theorise about what's going to come in the future. Let's jump to the conclusion that it's going to be really good. Uh, but I will say, Matt, you're probably right. They're probably not going to kill Omega. I don't think it was ever crossing my mind that anybody was going to kill Omega in this show. That's not what the show is about. Uh, this, I, I feel like we may lose a member of the Bad Batch at some point in the show. Um, one of the main protectors of Omega may have to be sacrificed to save her. I think that's entirely possible in a show like this, uh, that you would lose one of those characters because that happens in all of Star Wars. You do have heroes sacrificing themselves. Uh, but I just can't see that they'd kill off Omega in the first couple of episodes of the show. I will speculate it will be bad. The Bad Batch. 
Excellent, Chris. Excellent. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Let's move on to our final piece of feedback for this episode. Uh, Dr. Bob Phillips says, well, I either had a better week this week or this was a better episode. The special child is identified, dodgy ship repair shops do their worst, and bounty hunters are doing their morally neutral best as Mando comes to Bad Batch Town. Very much enjoyed the droid revolution as well. The parade for the victors and B-3PO, at least I think that's what they should be called. I like it B-3PO instead of C-3PO. Very impressive. I prefer D-3PO. I prefer Hyacinth Bouquet 3PO. <laughs> um, to be honest, with Bucket. that voice, um, and I should have mentioned earlier, that is from a show that I remember hating um, as a kid because I was forced to watch it, I think, by um, I, whether parents or grandparents, it but it was definitely. called Keeping Up Appearances. Yeah. And it was like, ah! Uh, but she was a great actress. Um, mm-hmm. And... The, the shrill voice uh, um, is certainly what I identified with the protocol droid. Well, with that very weird way to close out our episode <laughs> of Star Wars The Bad Batch, thank you so much to everybody for joining us for our discussion about this week's episode of The Bad Batch. We'll be back next week for episode five of Star Wars The Bad Batch. Still waiting on these names to be released in advance, so we don't have a name for this episode. <laughs> yes, and Loki is fast approaching mm-hmm. on uh, June the 9th, so we will be covering that as well. So we'll be fellow troopering it and fellow defendering it uh-huh. as well. We'll be f- all over the place, but in two great universes, the Marvel and the Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. Slash Galaxy. Slash Mars Bar. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Thank you so much for joining us. Look forward to catching you all next week. Don't forget, head on over to patreon.com slash TV podcast industry where you can support us for just a single dollar or galactic credit, whatever you prefer. <laughs> also, to ensure that you make, you get every episode of our good show, make sure you head on over to TV where you can subscribe to all of our feeds and make, you will never miss an episode we will see you all next week absolutely I was going to say in Galactic we trust but that's probably in <laughs> no, the Empire we trust yeah, no no let's not do no, that no let's not go that far that, that is there's only one other way to go and that's in the Sith we trust yeah. and we can't we, we're not yes. going there exactly exactly if you want to send any thoughts about the episode I did mention just email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com but if you want to send any thoughts in about MODOK uh, I don't know which way uh, you'll be watching it as we said we're only getting one episode a week over here but if you're getting all 10 episodes and want to share your thoughts about Modoc, uh, we'd love to hear them. Uh, email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com and just mark Modoc on your email. Thanks so much. See you soon. Yeah, thanks so much, fellow troopers, for joining us for this week's episode of The Bad Batch. And remember, keep watching, keep listening, and keep hyper jumping. Bye. 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 <laughs>